Like most kids who grew up in the 80s, there are certain things that I will always remember. In a previous episode, I talked about Batman from 1989 on the big screen. Never forget that. The episode before that, I talked about KB Toy Stores and what it was like going there in the 1980s. This time around, I have a very crystal clear memory of the very first time that I laid eyes on the Nintendo Entertainment System. As with a lot of my nostalgia talks, we're definitely going back to the late 80s and yes, we're going back to the time where I grew up in Fulda, Germany. Because the first time that I laid eyes on a Nintendo Entertainment System, it was 1988. Now, the Nintendo Entertainment System came out in the United States in early 1986. And I'm going off of hazy memory here, but I want to say that it was originally released in like just the Chicago area. And then it started to really boom across the country. But by the time 87 had rolled around, we were making preparations to move to Germany and moved to Germany. And I I still hadn't even heard of one. I hadn't seen one. My entire video game world was the Atari 2600. And I didn't even own one. I just had friends that owned the 2600. That was like the video game standard. So when we moved to Germany in 1987, all I knew about as far as the video game world was the Atari 2600. Then in 1988, we moved from the German economy, basically being just uh, the only, I think, American family that lived in a small town in Germany called Kleinluder, which is basically German for small town. (laughs) We moved from there to a place called Aschenberg, which is German for Ash Mountain, by the way. There's a history there around the plague. I won't get into it. But when we moved up there, I started hanging out with another friend of mine from school who lived just a street over, and his name was Jason Vega, and Jason had all the cool toys. Jason had all the Transformers, and he had all the really great G.I. Joe sets, and uh, he, you know, he was that kid that it was, I'm glad I was his friend because he had this really cool stuff. I mean, he was a great guy too, but man, he had some good stuff. And in 1988, I went up to his room, as I usually did, to maybe play Transformers or whatever, and now sitting on his dresser was a television and a little gray box with a single red light. And he was actively playing a game, and our mutual friend, Jeremiah was there and Jeremiah had brought his game from home and that's what they were playing and I'd never seen anything like it it was this top-down action-adventure game with this small sprite walking around wielding a sword that could shoot energy out of it and I would come to find out this was a game called The Legend of Zelda and they were so excited to be playing it and I was like just flabbergasted because not only am I seeing this brand new video game system I'm seeing this really cool game I've never seen before and as they're playing around with it and then then they switch out games and they move over to Super Mario Brothers and I see this Zelda game's got this gold cartridge and that's probably a Nostalgia Talk episode just waiting to happen but after short order Jeremiah had to take his game and leave and so there I was my buddy Jason and he had this Nintendo Entertainment System. Never heard of it, first time seeing it. And what I remember most about it, which is kind of funny in retrospect, is the thing that I kind of gravitated towards that looked so cool, and so did my friend Jason, was Rob the Robot. Because he got one of those early 
versions that came with Rob the Robot, because Rob has a real cool, sleek, you know, especially at the time, futuristic look, and you can make Rob do things and spin these gyros, and, and you used him to play a game called Gyromite, and it's really funny that that's kind of what I really remember, because Rob the Robot would quickly fade out, because as we quickly learned, it's much easier to play Gyromite if your buddy works the second controller and opens the doors for you. It's like the very first cheat codes. Like, why, why do I have to go through all this with the robot? Like, the robot looked cool and it was kind of neat to mess around with, but at the end of the day, the robot became a very forgettable part of Nintendo history. But what wasn't forgettable was Legend of Zelda, the first game I ever saw someone playing on a Nintendo. And then, like I said, after Jeremiah left, that left us with Gyromite, Super Mario Brothers, and Duck Hunt. And you could just imagine how blown away I was. I mean, Super Mario Brothers was just so neat and immersive, and it had that real catchy theme tune that I bet you could hum right now if I asked you to. <laughs> so we played a lot of Super Mario Brothers, and then we busted out that zapper, the Nintendo gun, so we could play some Duck Hunt. And just never had played anything like that before. It just truly blew me away up until this point. Again, my next door neighbor, my other best buddy, Steve, he had an Atari 2600 and a whole bunch of games, and that's all we ever played. So seeing all these new games and the upgrading graphics and the sound and all that just completely blew me away, and it infected me. I became obsessed. I needed to get a Nintendo Entertainment System. But living in Germany, 1988, that was a tough, tough thing to do. That was a tall order because we lived in Fulda, which was a very small base, and we had a small PX, and the PX stands for Post Exchange, for those of you who aren't uh, military. It's basically like the all-purpose store on every base. Every base has a PX, or if you're on an Air Force base, it's called a BX. And being in such a small location, we got not a lot of stuff. You know, usually if I was getting new G.I. Joe toys or something like that, it would happen as we got closer to Christmas. They would really kind of bulk up their toy stock. And that's when they get in some newer stuff. And that's how you get new G.I. Joe. And just uh, uh, trying to find a Nintendo entertainment system was needle in a haystack. Because it's such a small base, they'd get in maybe two or three. And as you can imagine, they get snagged up really fast. So aside from Jason. Vegas Nintendo Entertainment System, which I think was sent to him as a gift by his grandparents from the States. I'd never laid eyes on another Nintendo. Like, I couldn't even find one at the store, but it was my quest. It was my journey to get a Nintendo Entertainment System. So I saved all my birthday money. I saved up money washing cars, doing yard work. I saved my report card money. Because I knew eventually we'd take a trip to another bigger base. Bigger base means a better chance of finding a Nintendo Entertainment System. Finally, my time came, sort of. My mother took me on a trip to a base called Giesen. Giesen was bigger than us. They had a bigger PX. And I was excited about it on one hand because I was like, hey, I might get to see a Nintendo Entertainment System for sale somewhere, because I'd never seen one at this point. But part of me was not exactly thrilled, because I had saved up through all those, you know, birthday, washing cars, all that stuff. I'd saved up $75. 
And the one thing I knew was if you got the Nintendo Entertainment System, the one without Rob the Robot, the more basic one, two controllers, a zapper, came with Super Mario and Duck Hunt, that was 100 bucks, And I had 75 But I was still excited to go on the trip just to maybe lay eyes on one and be close to achieving my goal. Well, we got to Geeson and I went to the electronics department and sure enough, there was a Nintendo Entertainment System. $99. One of the nice parts about growing up in the military system and shopping at the PX is there's no sales tax. So if it says 99 bucks, it's 99 bucks. And I had saved up 75. So I kind of looked longingly at it and I, I don't remember my exact behaviors, but they must have been pretty top notch because my parents, they weren't uh, one to uh, be extravagant with gifts. I mean, they had three kids and I know money was probably pretty tight for them. So extravagant gifts and buying things like that wasn't really the order of the day, but I must have conducted myself pretty well because I remember my mom saying, listen, you've saved up $75. I'm really proud of you for the effort you put into that. I'm willing to pay the extra $24 for you to get that Nintendo. And you talk about a memory that I will never forget. That was not common in my house. I had great, wonderful parents who raised me really well and they wanted me to learn the value of hard work to get the things I wanted. And as a parent now, I totally get that. But that moment where my mom said she would put in the $24 as a reward for how good I'd been saving up my money, just, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. So now I'm just through the roof, beyond the moon, whatever metaphor you want to use. <laughs> Over the moon, I think. is <laughs> Anyways, I am just ecstatic. Not only have I seen one on the shelf, I'm now taking it off the shelf and walking up to the cash register I have given my mom my $75 that I had saved up, so she made the purchase and then handed me the box, and I treated that thing like it had the nuclear codes in it, man. <laughs> we had taken a bus trip to Geeson, and man, I had that thing sat on the seat next to me, and I would just read the print on the box just over and over until I got home and took it up to my room, and I had this little... 13-inch black-and-white TV that my dad had given me in about 1983-ish. And that was the little black-and-white TV I had in my room. Like, occasionally I could pick up a couple of German TV stations out of the air, you know, or, or AFN, Armed Forces Network, the only American station you could get. It didn't even get great reception, but I knew I didn't have to have great reception to plug a Nintendo in it, so now I'm playing Nintendo games. And I'm playing them in black-and-white, but you know what? That's okay with me because I finally got the Nintendo Entertainment System. Man, I loved that thing so much. Like, I was so excited by it. I told my family years later, and they, no one ever knew I was doing this, but I would set an alarm after I'd go to bed. You know, I'd go to bed at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, whatever time I went to bed when I was 12. And I would set an alarm for like 3 a.m. And it would go off, and I'd get up, and I would just play Nintendo for like two hours house is totally quiet everyone's asleep i'm being as quiet as i can the volume's way 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 down just the glow of the tv in my room i would play for a couple hours and i go back to sleep and then get up for school the next day i did that a lot and my family never even knew about it till i told them about it years later that's how much i loved this nintendo entertainment system and so after you get the nintendo now you have to go on a quest to get games 
Because, I mean, I had Mario and Duck Hunt, which was great. Although I don't remember Duck Hunt working particularly well on my black and white TV. I don't remember if you needed to have a color one, or maybe I just sucked at Duck Hunt. I'm not sure. But, you know, you just want to play more games. And you're in a weird spot because what you do with games now is kids are starting to get different games at school, so you swap games. And, well, I didn't have anything swap-worthy. I only had the games that everybody else had. Mario and Duck Hunt. So now it became a quest for games. What's funny now is if you're a gamer now, you know, you pick and choose between AAA titles and all that stuff. Back then, you didn't care. Like, you just needed new games, something different. Something you could swap with kids at school so that you could try other games. So I definitely remember finding my very first game. And I want to say Nintendo games were, gosh, they were probably... Like $40 a game? 35, 40 bucks a game back then? Something like that. So I'd been saving up a little money again, and I'd saved up enough to buy a game, but again, the hard part was we didn't get a lot of games in our in our PX. So oh man, it was a long wait before we finally got games. And then one of the kids at school was like, hey, they got a new batch of games at the PX. So I made sure to get over there. And I had just enough money to buy the only game they had hanging there on the rack. And I vividly remember it was California Games. California Games. Which is not a great game in retrospect, but it was something new and it was something different. And I took it home and I, it's, it's really kind of fascinating now when you think back on that. You know, a, a game, a, a very average, maybe even below average game like California Games. It's all you have. So you keep playing and playing. You perfect it and you start to get really good at it. Like you get every ounce out of that game you get every ounce of entertainment out of that game and i don't i think that's kind of lost these days because we have so many games to choose from and like i said triple a titles you can kind of pick and choose and games are easy to find it's not like it was in germany where they were super scarce so if you got your hands on a game you played the hell out of it so that's what i did with california games and then I'd swap it to friends. I remember swapping it to a buddy of mine so I could play Kung Fu, you know, that basic Kung Fu fighter. I remember swapping it to another friend of mine so I could play 10-yard fight, like that first football game on Nintendo. And, you know, none of these games were super great, but, man, we played the heck out of them because it was our whole world. I think there's something to be said to having limited access. to. I think if you think back on your own childhood, maybe not even around video games, but, like, think about CDs or cassettes you might have had. I mean, you didn't have access to music like we do now so you used to probably really listen over and over to certain cds and cassettes and i bet you can think of what they are right now and it was the same way with video games so after california games i definitely remember the next game i got was skate or die and that was a fun one you know easily tradable skateboarding was very popular in the 80s and i also right on the heels of that i got blaster master that was another one that popped up at the PX. I would just basically save up my money and then buy whatever popped up. You know, I'm out there mowing lawns and washing cars, putting the money in a literal jar in my room. Games pop up. So I buy Skater Die and Blaster Master. I might have even got two on the same day. But man, did I luck into Blaster Master because that game is a lot of fun. Very fun game. And so after the magic of finally having this Nintendo Entertainment System and a few games and swappable games with my friends kind of wore off a little bit i started getting fixated on another nintendo property because by this time it's 1989 moving into 1990 and now i'm seeing these game boys pop up portable gaming hmm i can play anywhere with a game boy with a nintendo i'm stuck in my room 
Also, remember, I'm playing it on a 13-inch black-and-white TV, so I'm looking at this Game Boy, and everybody's like, oh, the only drawback is it's in black-and-white. I'm like, well, that's not a drawback for me, because I'm already playing in black-and-white. Now, what I didn't understand is that, you know, you get better graphics on the Nintendo, you get better sound. I didn't understand that all that as a kid. I just knew I wanted the game, and now I see that I can game with portability. So I start getting fixated on the Game Boy, and I actually ended up selling off my Nintendo and my games so I could have enough money to go buy a Nintendo Game Boy that, of course, came with Tetris. And while I enjoyed that, and I picked up plenty of games for my Game Boy by, again, saving money and, and doing chores and whatnot, my heart still was kind of calling out for that Nintendo. Because by this time, I moved back to the States, and I'm living in North Carolina. We're now at Fort Bragg. And I've got my Game Boy, and I've got some good games for it. Super Mario Land, Batman, these are the games I remember. But my buddy down the street, Francisco, still has his Nintendo. And I find myself going over there all the time so we can pop in Nintendo games, play Contra, play Life Force, play baseball. We do that a lot. And I'm like, man, my heart still kind of hurts for Nintendo. I kind of regretted selling it. I thought I'd be, you know, real happy with my Game Boy. And I, I was happy with it to an extent. But my heart still was like, man, I want that Nintendo Entertainment System. So we only spent a couple of years there at Fort Bragg, and we ended up moving to Alabama, Fort Rucker, and we moved here in 1992, and I was 15, and I was going to the PX, and they had some Nintendo Entertainment Systems. Now, remember, the Super Nintendo's been out for a while, so now the price is dropping on the Nintendo Entertainment Systems. I want to say it was maybe 50 bucks, something like that. And so I, you know, I'd saved up a little bit of that money from doing chores and all that jazz. So I, okay, it's time to get another Nintendo Entertainment System. Fill that void that was left, that regret that I had for selling my other one. So I bought it, and at this point, it came with Super Mario Brothers 3. That was the pack-in game. So I was pretty excited, 15-year-old, bought a Nintendo Entertainment System. It was like having it back again. It was like home again. I got home, and I unpackaged it, and I plugged in my Nintendo, and then I started looking around inside the box, and I realized the pack-in cartridge of Super Mario Bros. 3 was not included. They had forgotten to put it in there in the factory, and I was heartbroken, because that was a pretty hot game. Even still, in 92, people were playing Mario 3. I was a bit heartbroken. I told my dad about it. My dad said, well, you know, look in the packaging. Is there a customer service number? I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, all you got to do is call them and explain what happened, and they, they might take care of you. And I was like, that was a foreign concept to me. I was like, what? People can't just call up there and say, oh, game's missing. That People would do that all the time and get free games. My dad was like, hey, just try it. Up at this point in my life, my dad had kind of handled those kind of things for me. My buddy looked at me and realized I was 15. It was time for me to man up and handle those things on my own. So I called the 1-800 number and I talked to a nice person at customer service and I explained to him, hey, this is the, I bought this Nintendo and Super Mario Brothers 3 was supposed to be in there and it's not. And the person was really helpful. They apologized. Hey, this accident will happen. Took my name and address and mailed me a copy of Super Mario Bros. 3. It was really quite easy. And what I remember most about that moment is that being a very step into adulthood moment for me. I, that was the first time I'd made a customer service phone call, worked out a problem for a purchase, talked to a stranger on the other end, that kind of thing. So looking back on it, I can definitely remember being nervous to make that call. The, the part inside of me that was still a child was like, I wish my dad would make this call for me. But, you know, being a parent myself, I know dads have to train you for real life. So that was my first real life 
customer service phone call. Felt pretty good about it. Well, a couple of years later, I would part with that Nintendo again. I have this bad history of letting go of the Nintendo Entertainment System when I probably shouldn't, but you know what was sweeping the nation in 1993-1994 was Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2. These fighting games were what everybody wanted to play, and guess what? They don't sell Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter 2 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. They did sell them for the Game Boy, but man, those ports were not very good. And I wanted to play Mortal Kombat Street Fighter 2 in their glory. So, at school one day, I was talking to my friend Ezra, who had a Genesis, and he was kind of looking to move from a Genesis over to a Super Nintendo. Well, I didn't have Super Nintendo, I had a regular Nintendo, but my friend Randy had a Super Nintendo, and he was feeling more retro and wanted to play older games, so he had his eye on my old Nintendo. So, we did a round-robin three-person trade. Randy got my Nintendo. Ezra got the Super Nintendo from Randy, and I got Ezra's Genesis, and I went and got Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter 2, and I had a lot of fun with those, but still, my heart belonged to the Nintendo Entertainment System. Not long after that, I went to college, and the girl I was dating in college, who I would end up marrying, had her original Nintendo from her childhood, so I used to go over to her place all the time and play Nintendo into the wee hours at night at college, just playing Nintendo uh, at Johanna's place. And that's the Nintendo we had forever until I started doing the whole yard sale scene. And now I've come across so many Nintendos, it's ridiculous. And I finally found one of those top loader Nintendos. And that's the one that I use to this day. But I'll always remember back 1988, that first time I saw that great box with that red light, that Legend of Zelda game. That was incredible. Mario Brothers. How addictive was that? It just, it got in my blood and it stayed with me. I, again, I sold a, a Nintendo, I traded a Nintendo, but I always came back to it. So to this day now, I have a top loader Nintendo out in my man cave area. And I've been pretty serious about acquiring Nintendo games. Whenever I find them at yard sales, I buy them. That's kind of thing though. I have to find them at yard sales, depending on what lists you look at online. Nintendo made somewhere around 716 officially licensed games. Of the 716 games, I have about 450 now from my yard sale acquisition. So it's getting closer and it's still the heart of my video game life. I have all the other systems. I have all the Sega systems. I have the Super NES and the N64. I have the PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4. I, got, I have pretty much every system you can think of. But the only one that I'm actively trying to complete the whole collection of games on is that one that got in my blood in 1988 up in Jason Vega's room, sitting on his dresser, the Nintendo Entertainment System. So many fond hours. Again, wee hours, playing at three in the morning when nobody knew. That Nintendo Entertainment System will always be what I think of first when people say, playing video games that'll just that's always what it will be so i pose the question to you listeners what's the video game system that's in your blood what's your earliest memory of the nintendo entertainment system or if you're a younger listener maybe there's a different system that came out when you were 12 years old or if you're an older listener how did you feel when you first came across the atari or the coleco vision i'd be interested to know and you can share that information with me on lots of different places 
If you're watching this on YouTube, the easiest way is just put it in the comments. I'd love to hear from you. I have gotten a lot of private messages and emails from the KB Toys episode and the Batman 1989 episode of Nostalgia Talk. And just connecting with people like that behind the scenes makes this so worthwhile. So don't be shy. Let me know what memories you have tied to your early days of video games. And like I said, you can do that here on YouTube in the comments. If you're listening to this in podcast form, then more than likely you're on the Longbox Crusade channel. So you can definitely share your memories and thoughts and inputs by reaching out to Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Longbox Crusade. Of course, it's Longbox Crusade on YouTube as well. Or you can call and leave a voicemail, which I'll include in an upcoming episode. 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. And if you'd like to check me out personally, I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Yard Sale Artist. It is at Yard Sale Artist on all those platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Once again, I'd love to hear your memories around the Nintendo Entertainment System, and I thank you for listening to mine. Once again, thanks for listening, and we will take another trip on another day. This episode contains the track Brahe by Punch Deck.